salutations and shit, guys. Uh, D. Carrie here, your host for your new favorite travel podcast, Travel and Shit, where I have more of a discussion of the experiences of travel and what was um, felt, experienced, seen, and believed through travel versus having an I did this and this is where I went conversation. So welcome. Welcome to a... Um, Another episode of Travel and Shit, the second week of the year. Um, and I guess excited to be here. I am glad that you guys are here with me. Appreciate you guys for coming along on the ride. And I'm really excited to um, see what all 2020 brings, yeah? So um, if you would like to see the visuals, because the kid got a haircut for y'all. Ow. So um, I'm feeling myself. I got my little half dimples here. The lighting looks great. Um Huh? I know I am. <laughs> this cut looked good, and I put like earrings on today. How? Anyway, if you'd like to see the visual, um, what you can go to travelandshitpodcast.com or dcarry.com, and um, the visual will be up on Wednesday. So if you'd also like to hear this week's podcast earlier, you can go to um, my website and check it out there. Um, otherwise, this will be live for you on Thursday. And um, it'll be my pleasure to grace your listening devices. As of now, I'm still on iTunes, SoundCloud, um, what was it, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Uh, some more stuff probably at some point. If you're looking for another app thing to listen on, DM me or whatever and let me know. Otherwise, I feel like that's kind of fine, right? Um, so... Nothing I'm trying to think of fun or exciting to drop as a note of mention of the, so then just into the bad news, um, while I was sitting here with, um, Shah, he was telling me about the recent update on the shit show that is, uh, politics right now. Pentagon says Iraq attacked two Iraqi bases housing U.S. forces. Uh, that's one thing that I never really um, considered about this whole podcast thing is I never envisioned being or seeing myself on this end um, in terms of having a platform and being amidst stuff happening live. Um, I don't have any more information other than what CNN.com is saying, and essentially, it, in a nutshell, the attack comes days after the U.S. killed top Iranian general Qasem Soleimani uh, in an airstrike in the Iraq capital of Baghdad. So if you've been under said rock or if you've just not paid your bill and didn't know until you, you know, ran and got your shit together to listen to the podcast, uh, somebody's president, um, well, Trump, bombed some shit, killed somebody really important over there, and um, they already said their piece and said they would uh, retaliate, and I guess here we are. Um, Pentagon said Tuesday that Iran launched more than a dozen missiles at two Iraqi bases that hold U.S. troops in response to the U.S. airstrike that killed a top Iranian general last week. So um, all those memes were fun and games because, um, you know, Black people especially have a knack for just being really great at, you know, facing all types of ills and qualms and issues in life with comedy and with humor. 
Uh, it's a defense mechanism, and I am no stranger to it myself. Um, however, it also it immediately becomes not funny when you have family, friends, and loved ones that do serve in this military and um, realize that their lives and their safety are much, very much so at risk, as well as those of us that live in, you know, states that are, um, you know, terrorist targets. Um, so, yeah, shit, shit's real. It's real. So as a traveler, as someone that does love seeing the rest of the world, it's very sad to be reminded that uh, very like, well, it's sad to be reminded of the human condition that not everybody gets the fuck along. And um, sadly, things become big problems like now. Uh, so I'd, you know, I guess, I don't want to say ask, but just be aware of what's going on, y'all. Because you know that um, nobody is going to protect you like you. And as a New Yorker, not only is there the whole see something, say something, but everybody knows the whole idea. Well, not everybody. Because not everybody has that same situational awareness. And sadly, I've seen it happen more times than I'd like to. Um, just be aware of what the fuck is going on around you. Um, pay attention. And the same sense that you use when you're home or when you're in a neighborhood that you're unfamiliar with, I consistently say is that same sense that you use when you travel. So, yeah, the... What's the word I'm looking for? The, not apprehension, but the the caution that you approach things with when you're traveling, sadly, you might need to start doing more so at home. So, um, sad note done. On some more exciting things. This week, I have a guest. I'm very excited to start the year off with a young lady that I met thanks to Wanda of... Black woman of color. What was it? It's black women. You can unmute her, Sha. It's, it's oh, you did. Okay, cool. Um, I think it's black. Be, uh, I put it on my story. She had just been featured on an episode of Travel Noir. Um, an episode in a. I guess it's on the website. Black women travel podcast. Damn, it ain't even that difficult. So hey, Don. Uh. Wanda, hey girl. So a couple weeks ago, before the holidays, I believe, I'd done a Instagram live. I uh, think I saw a couple of you guys join in, and I met a host of really incredible other black women who have a podcast. And I really, really wanted to get one young lady on to talk with me about backpacking. Uh, so Shira, hey girl. Hi. Hi there. Hello. How you doing? Wait, I don't know where I can't. I can't hear. You going fit? Can you hear me? Oh, there we go. Ah, okay. <laughs> hey, girl. Hey. Thank you for hey. joining me. How are you? Thank How are your holidays? Good. Good. How you doing? It was great. Quiet. I feel rejuvenated. Ready for 2020. Ready for all the travel coming. Good, Good vibes. Um, yeah, I'm ready. So where the where where are you right now? Where in the world are you? So right now I am currently in Philly. I'm from Philly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I've been here for about seven months. I was living in Spain 
and I decided to move back home for a brief period to get my life together before I can see my travels around the world. So how long how long were you living in Spain? What part of Spain were you in? Sure. So I was living in Murcia, which is southeastern Spain. It's kind of like the equivalent. If you're from America, they would say it's like the hillbillies. We would say it's like Ooh. the hillbillies. It was, I was in like the hillbilly part of Spain, but it was the best experience of my life. What the fuck put um, you out there? Um, I, well, I had a visa to teach English, but really I wanted to travel mm-hmm. um, all over Europe. So I was there for a year. It was the best experience of my life. Um, Highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah. Even I, though it was the hillbilly part. It was a great experience. Okay. So what made you want to move to Spain? Just like, well, move in general. What made you want to leave on more of a long-term basis as opposed to just traveling? Um. So I don't think, I don't see the two as separate. Uh because even when I was living in Spain, I definitely saw myself as traveling. Like, I, okay. I lived in Spain, but I was never there. Like, I was always mm. going somewhere else. But I wanted to live in Spain mainly because I wanted to find how, who I was. I wasn't ready to pursue first-level education. Definitely wasn't going to go. So I had graduated from college that same year that I moved. Okay. I wasn't going to go work for a corporation or, like, a nonprofit or just get a job. I said, no, I'm going to move abroad. And honestly, I'm a very, I can be a very impulsive person at times. And so eight weeks, um, no, six weeks after my backpacking trip, I said, I'm moving to Spain. I just got the idea. Um, and I had already spoke Spanish because I studied Spanish. Spanish was okay. one of my two majors. So language wasn't going to be a barrier for me. Oh, sweet. So six weeks after my backpacking trip, I said, I'm moving to Spain. I just got the idea. So you I said, I'm backpacked there after you graduated? So, yes, I backpacked. Um, a few different cities in Spain right after graduation. Uh, I went to 14 different countries in eight weeks. Oh. Um, so that was a, that was another great, great experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just solidified my love of travel. I would say my backpacking trip. And then, yeah, I came back home. Six weeks later, I said, I'm out, and I'm just moving to Spain. I hear that hot shit. <laughs> so before we get into you telling us what backpacking entails, the difference between backpacking and traveling, tell us more about you. This way, the the viewers, the listeners can see themselves yeah. in you. Yes. Yeah, so um, my name is Shira Smiley. I am a Gemini. I'm very much in the Zodiac. <laughs> um, I'm from Philly, born and raised. Um, I love swimming. My hobbies are swimming, reading. I'm very dramatic, so I would say drama as well. Um, I went to, I saw from Philly, born and raised, um, definitely a city girl at heart. And then I went to the small liberal arts college, which was just like the worst decision I could have ever made for my mental health. Mm. Um, but it was the best experience because, you know, I was in the South. I was, I went to school in Virginia, so. This small little arts college had a lot of plantation money, and I was determined to, although I was, like, miserable there, that I was going to take advantage of every travel opportunity, every free opportunity, first and foremost. And some okay. of them just so happened to be travel. Um, I've always just been a free spirit. I've always been, like, I want to say the outcast, but I've always been a different one in my family. I'm the middle child of three. Okay. So as the middle child, you know, you're the forgotten child, so... I would, I like to say that as middle children, we are um, the most responsible because we're the forgotten ones. We're not the first. We're not the baby. 
were just kind of there. So right. I've always been responsible. Um, and I've always just been kind of like, if I want to do something, I'm going to do it. Um, so yeah, back to being in school, taking advantage of every opportunity. Some of them just so happen to be travel. So sophomore year, I got the opportunity to do a program that my school paid for me to go to Cuba. Cuba still to this day is the best place I've ever been to. It's amazing. Nice. Um, Cuba's one of my, I'm torn between Cuba and Colombia myself. Yes. Yes. Different reasons, but like those top two easy. Yeah, um, absolutely love Columbia. So that that was sophomore year, and um, wanted to get away from school. Um, so the following year, I studied abroad. My spring semester, I went to Ecuador. Mm. I was like the fifth person ever go for my school because okay. my school was so Eurocentric. So I actually was anti-Spain. I was like, I'm not going to no white place. Same. I'm I going to like, mm-hmm. yeah. I was like, I'm Let's going get some to culture. yeah, different culture. Um. I was actually thinking about going to Brazil, but I said, you know, I'm studying Spanish. I got to go to Spanish speaking country. Mm-hmm. So I chose Ecuador. Ecuador was, eh, I had a bad host mom, but Ooh. Ecuador itself is a beautiful country. Colombia is even better and it's right above Ecuador. So, okay. Cause I, I was I thinking another, about Ecuador this month. Yeah. Ecuador is nice. Um, definitely not better than Colombia. So I would say actually Colombia was my first backpacking trip. Because, um, so Colombia and Ecuador, they share a border. Mm-hmm. And so you can literally walk from Ecuador to Colombia at the border. Like, one, on one side you're in Ecuador, on the other side you're in Colombia. So me and my friends, um, you know, when you're when you're a tourist, and I would say at this time I was definitely a tourist, um, you just want to do everything possible. So Right. And when you don't have a lot of money, you find ways to do things for free. So see, we just said, let's bust to Colombia. So from Quito, Ecuador to um I can't the the not Cali. Um, like I'm 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 blanking on the name of the border city in Colombia. Mm-hmm. But we bust for like 18 hours to Colombia, and we just like backpack Damn. for two weeks. So that was actually my first experience with backpacking, and then from there I was just uh, I went home and um, I finished out my senior year. That was all a blur. And then once I graduated, I had to have, you know, when especially as a senior in college, people are always asking that stupid question, what are you doing after school? Right. Anybody listening, please don't ask people that. Like, they don't know. They'll figure, you'll find out on Facebook or Instagram. That is the worst yeah. question that you can be asked. Um, and although that question irritated me, it was good because I also had to, you know, at the end of the day, ask myself, what are you going to do, Shira? And I had to be really honest with myself. Right. So I um towards the end of my senior year, I wanna call it March or April, I was like, you know what, you should probably just get a job. So I started interviewing. Um, I got this job at this corporation. It was great money, it was like for well, bonus and everything, it was gonna be like seventy K a year. Wow. What did you go to school um, for? I went to school to I actually uh, my major was American studies and Spanish. Um, my focus was in housing policy post World War Two though. Because oh. American studies is a general it's a great uh, major for anyone listening, but I love it because it's so interdisciplinary. So I had a focus in history. Nice. Um, okay. So, but yeah, my, like I said, that plantation money and those resources and those connections that they had, I was able to get this job. And I remember I said, okay, like, you know, 70 K is more, that's probably about three times, three or four times as much as my mom is me as a full grown adult right. with three children. So I couldn't have, I couldn't fathom like seventy thousand dollars. Like, so I said, okay, 
So you got to take your shot. I was like, you know, I knew deep in my heart that's not what I wanted to do. I am not made for corporate America. I was already at a predominantly white elite school. I knew that environment wasn't going to be for me, but it was just so much money. So I went to go sign, like, the electric, the electronic um, offer letter. Mm-hmm. And literally, I could not do it. Like, my, my hand, literally, I was going to my laptop. I just couldn't do it. So I just, I never signed it. I never signed the electronic offer letter. Wow. I rejected the offer. You left 70 on the table. I tried to. Like, I legitimately, when I tell y'all this was like an inner and outer body experience, I literally physically could not do it. Um, and so I said, okay, I'm not doing it. So that was like April. So I said, okay, what you going to do? So. Damn, sis. I don't know if I could walk away from 70K. 70 regs. Even now, I'm not making. I'm king back. I'm not making seventy regs. I'm making close to it, but I'm still like I could have. I could have if I would have stayed on that path. I may have been miserable, but I could easily be making six figures. I could easily be making hundred k right now. But that's not the path that God. I believe in God, um, and that's not the path that my ancestors and my spirit got. That's not the path that they had that they um, envisioned for me, and that's honestly not what I envisioned for myself. Okay. Um, so I always, I sometimes do think about it now that I'm back and I'm like, ugh, and we're going to talk about like the debt that I accrued while in Spain. But um, yeah, so that was the end of that. And I had been working like three or four jobs in school. And uh, one of the girls who I worked with at a cafe, she was like, you should just go, you should just travel. Like me and my friends, we're going to travel um, for a couple of weeks. I was like, how much is it going to cost? She was like $3,000. I was like, well, that's not bad. Now three thousand dollars, like three three thousand dollars, is a lot of money. But in mm-hmm. the grand scheme of things, in the travel world, and which what, what you can get it from Europe, is not a lot of money. Right, um, it's not. And how long was it going to be for? How many weeks? So she told me that their trip was going to be like six weeks. I'm like, but you know, she's she told me they was going to do like four or five countries. I'm like, oh, I could finesse this because I'm <laughs> I'm a cheap person. Okay, I have been financially supporting myself since I was 14 years old. So wow. I know how to finesse and I know how to stretch a dollar, okay? So mm-hmm. I'm like, I could do that too. So I saved my money. Um, I had scholarships and financial aid throughout school, so that wasn't really an issue. Mm-hmm. It was just about supporting myself. So I, I saved my money and I just said, I'm going. And literally, I, I, this is the honest to God truth, I started in London because London was an English-speaking country. Okay. And I drew a circle around, like a circle. Like, you know how, um, what's those things called that you, you use, um, that those um, like sensors that you got to use to make a circle? A circle, like a perfect circle. I know, I don't know what you're talking about, called. like a compass? Yeah, or like a compass. The, what, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that you use in like math class. So I drew, I used that to draw a circle around Europe. I started in London, and that was the route that I used. And you know what? What's funny? That back on that backpacking trip, I realized that me and Beyonce, <laughs> Beyonce was on her one. Of, I think it was her her first Mrs. Carter world tour, mm-hmm. or maybe it was the on a run tour. She took the same route across Europe. So I was like, you know what? When it all set was all said and done, um, I'm I'm like Beyonce because that right. was how I would justify it because. Uh, me and Beyonce literally, like, I was like a day or two behind her. I actually mm-hmm. met her, um, her backup dancers when I was in Italy. But yeah, so that was how I came up with the idea. I just, I, I hated my school. I knew I wasn't going to pursue fourth level education. Fourth level education, like becoming a doctor, lawyer, getting those master's programs. Those programs 
easily can run you two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, depending on what you're trying to go into. I wasn't right. ready for that debt. No question. Um, definitely wasn't ready for it, like to do the, the corporate thing, a job thing. So I just did this. I said I'm gonna find myself because I had to ultimately. When people ask that question, what are you going to do? It's like, well, what am I going to do? Who am I? You know, it, mm-hmm. it spurred all those questions. And I had to be honest with myself. I'm a very transparent person. Um, and honestly, though, and so I, I don't want me to cut yeah, you off, but I'm glad that yeah. you took that time to actively figure that out. Because I think a lot of people don't give kids, because in college, you're a kid. They don't give kids the opportunity to figure out who they are. You spend all this time in school, 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 but nobody... Like, school doesn't necessarily cultivate um, self-development. You know what I mean? So you go from school and then jump into yeah. a job, working for somebody else, having somebody else tell you what's good, what's, you know, profitable, yeah. and what is acceptable. And I'm really happy to hear that you had the insight and the foresight to say, you know what, let me take a, let me take a step back, fuck the bread, and let me figure out, like, who I actually am as a person. Yeah. For sure, yeah. I wish I And would. I definitely think that school is like a, like just looking back, it's so toxic. Like it, it definitely, school teaches you how to be an employee fundamentally from, from elementary school all the way up until college. And so that's just not, that's not my path. It's nothing wrong with, shout out to all the people that's keeping our economy going and that's working. That's with, I got see y'all, people that's really in the trenches taking care of their families. I respect it. That's not my path. And I know that. Right. Um, and I just had to be honest with myself. So I did my backpacking trip. Um, and I did backpacking because it was the cheapest way. And I'm like, All right, we already established. I know how to finesse a coin. Um, and I talked about this on my podcast, Black Girl World Travelers. I, I define backpacking as you living out of a backpack. Um, for an extended period of time. Now, for me, I would say in order to really understand it, you have to do it at least three weeks okay. to really understand what it means to be a backpacker. Um, but everybody's experience and definitions are subjective. That's what I think, just for you to really understand. Because when you have so little um, and you have to constantly reuse resources and you only living off of what you have, what you can fit in your backpack, um, it really teaches you a lot about yourself and a lot of the things, especially coming from a capitalistic society like America, where everything is buy, 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 and you need this, or you supposedly need this to, to fit in or to, you, this, this is my idea that you always need more. Not having that and just only having what I could carry was a truly humbling experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that uh, my backpack was really just a metaphor for my life, like the shit, the emotional baggage that I couldn't handle the the actual baggage that I had to handle <laughs> like right. lug around all these to all these damn countries, um, but that's what it became overall. But honestly, I started backpacking because it was the cheapest and easiest way. Um, I definitely didn't want to check bags, right? So and I didn't yeah. have to. I could just I could just go. So I could just go go ahead. Would you first of all, how big was is your backpack? So it's um, I don't know if you've ever. I just like to say it's a backpacker's backpack. Um, okay, so one of I those say, like, gallon-looking yeah, things. Yes. So if you're thinking, like, for anybody listening, just think of, like, two normal-sized backpacks put together. Um, and, yeah, I just took it. I had, like, um, I had like two pairs of jeans, four shirts, a skirt, some sandals, some sneakers, my toiletries, my um, waterproof watch. 
my passport, my money, and that was it. And I just, I was ready. I was so hyped. I was, oh my God, I can't believe. I was so nervous. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. So how old are you now? Nah. I'm 23. Okay, so how this was maybe three years, two, two years, years ago, ago, two years ago that you did this. Two years ago. Yeah. You can still, because I can still hear how excited you are. Like, yeah, and <laughs> I can hear you I smiling. That, I feel, I feel so close to the experience because I wanted that, and I'm like hustling right now to get these experiences big and have them be more sustainable. Um, because I'm stationary right now. Like I went from traveling all of the time, even when I was living in Spain, I was traveling every, literally every weekend. So now I'm just, you know, working and trying to save money and like being like normal and kosher. And that's not really me. <laughs> um, right. So yeah, it definitely still feels close. Um, and I'm also reliving my experiences through my podcast. I also have a podcast, Red Girl World Traveler. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually just did an episode about London. So all of this still feels so fresh. And this honestly was the most, I think, in terms of my identity, um, one of the most um, like the biggest factor in shaping who I am as a young adult. Um, and I'm just so grateful for the, that experience. It broke me down to build me back up in every single way. I, used to, I, I had to sleep in train stations when I would miss, when I would miss um, my transport. Mm-hmm. I would um, meet people from Estonia and, and talk about their experiences in North Korea. Like I just, like a little girl from the hood, like that's not normal. Like you right. don't think that that's what, going to be your future but when it is and when it's your present it's like okay now i can really do anything i put my mind to and honestly i feel like if i wanted to walk on the moon i could can't nobody tell me no, nothing different and traveling gave that to me no textbook no experience i've had in the classroom gave that to me real world life experience gave that to me and i and that's what i believe in even more now um like where i'm working like you know a normal nine to five i'm like you know this is cute but this isn't this isn't life. This is, mm-hmm. you know, what you got to do to, you know, take care of yourself. But Right. There's no reason why you should be miserable yeah. every day waking up just to yeah. go to a job so that you could get that little week here and there to be happy yeah. or to feel like alive or to feel Quit. like you're enjoying yeah. <laughs> something and then go yeah. back to grind, 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 grind just so you can sporadically at certain times mm-hmm. in your life have a good fucking time for an ex- like longer than your weekend or like the three day weekend and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know how, and I empathize because like, I was raised by a single mom. I'm just, and I make it more than she ever has made as as her life. And so, and I don't have children also, so I empathize with women specifically because I love women. I am a woman. I know how hard it is for us to exist in the world, no matter where we are in the right. world. I empathize with people who get up and they work just to pay bills, and that's it. That's all they know. Like I'm working for a specific thing, so I can make my next travel move, but so I know there's an end date, but for people that do this over and over, and like you said, they only get a weekend, or they mm-hmm. only get a week, um, like when they can take PTO, that is no way to live, and no. I'm telling you, anybody out there, Spain literally changed my life, like it was therapy, and I never had to sit in a, sit in an office and talk to somebody. Never had to pay them um, pays. <laughs> even though I am in therapy now, and I definitely um, as a black woman, recommend therapy. But um, yeah, I I just yeah, quit that job. If you're listening, quit that job. Fuck it. I I'm totally totally about doing what makes you happy. Cause that's like a lot of times I feel like we as people we do things based off of perception and what people are going to think about us. Fuck what people gotta say. I gotta live in my skin. 
I have yes. to look at myself in the mirror. And if I'm not happy, then then that's then something has got to shift because my life starts and ends with me. And so that's just what I've always tried to like tell myself in moments of doubt while I was praying when I was, you know, homesick or when I just thought I couldn't do it. When I was, you know, around week six of eight of my bed church, I was like, I need to go home. Like, I'm tired. Oh, really? I can't take this. I've got 20, 30 pounds on my back. Like, I'm ready to go home. And I was just like, no, you got to finish it because you can. You have to finish what you started. And I started in London. I ended in Iceland eight, exactly eight weeks later. So how did you support yourself while you backpacked? Did you solely live off of the money that you had saved up? Yes. So I did not work. Um, and I don't uh, recommend this, but yes. Um, and now I've learned like about residual income and having multiple streams of income. So even in like the two, like the two and a half year um, difference, like my my perception of money has changed. But yeah, so I just use money I saved up. So it's all about saving money. But I definitely wouldn't recommend doing that. I definitely, all my friends out there, you definitely, if you had to have a nine to five, nothing wrong with that. But make sure you have a side hustle, and then a, a, a side another side hustle to support your uh, first side hustle that you right. have. I like to say. Um, just so that you're making money while you're traveling. Um, I'm not I'm not gonna get into capitalism too much because we know it's an exploitative system. But you do you do want to try to find ways to make money in your sleep because that's what's gonna support you um, in your travels. Because traveling, there are ways to make it cheaper, but there are some things like flights and specifically in the United States that are always gonna be ridiculously expensive <laughs> that you just can't get around. Um, but yes, I've lived off of the money that I had saved, um, and then spent a little more. So, so how much yeah. did you save before you went for your trip? Like how much did you bring with you? I was, I had, I planned 30, I mean 30, I planned 3,000, but I ended up spending about 3,500. You said eight? No, 3,000, 3,000. And how much did um, you end five, up spending? You said 3,500. Oh, girl. I thought you said you plant, you saved three and then spent eight. I was about to Oh, no, say. no, 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 no. Ooh. Christ, lie, no. Jesus. And I was like freaking out about that little $500. I was like, why am I doing this? <laughs> I didn't expect to, but, but no, 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 no. Okay, One that's thing not about bad. It, yeah, no, it's not bad. And um, and it was six I weeks? Was I no, eight weeks, again. you said. Yep. If I had to do it all over again, I would say 5000 You could do eight weeks, 5000 Six weeks, you can get away with 3500 for sure. Okay. So yeah. on your – because I, I had, like, so many questions, like, while you were talking. So mm-hmm. I'll get back to those two. So while you were on this trip, like, what kind of things did you do? Considering you had a limited – considering limited resources – Right. What type of things like did you do for like fun? Where did you stay? What did you eat? And the people you traveled with people or you went by yourself? You went with the friends from work? No, so um they went on their own trip. Okay. So there's like several parts to your question. So where did I stay? So I strategically my first two stops. So I strategically went to an English speaking country first, right? Um, to ease my way into travel. And I also chose that place because I had a friend there. So London and Paris were my first two stops, mm-hmm. and I had free accommodation, so I stayed with, because I stayed with friends. Okay. So that took some of the money. Um, so that was money that I didn't have to spend. Right. Um, I would say when I was there, I was lucky enough to have their my friends' parents. They were cooking a lot of meals. So I'm Jamaican. My parents 
my friend's parents were Jamaican in London as well. Um, and then my friends in Paris, she is um, not Senegalese. She's from, what's that address? What's the Africa? French-speaking. Congo. Okay. Um, they're not French-speaking. Yes, they're from the Congo, I believe. And so I had a lot of great African food. Um, so that's how I was able to save money. Now, for people that can't, I would say in London, they have this chain supermarket that's, like, everywhere. I can't think of their name. I'll send it to you after this. They have, like, $3 meals. And literally, when I would, like, go on my free walking tours, so in Europe, free walking tours are life. Every major city has several different free walking tours mm-hmm. that are different themes about the city and their tip base. So you, at the end of the tour, um, can tip based off of what you think the tour is worth. Um, so that's that's a lot of what I did. And I love the concept of free walking tours because those who can pay more will Right. Um, and those who can't, like a budget backpacker like me, mm-hmm. will give like the five euros because right. that's all that my budget would allow for. Um, and I also like free walking tours because they help you orient yourself in the city. And a lot of free walking tours are done by the locals um, from that specific city. So they're giving you food recommendations. They're showing you different museums. They're showing, they're giving you all the um, spots to go take pictures mm-hmm. you're learning history about the city and I'm a history nerd so the free walking tours for me were a great introduction to the city and in places like London like the bigger the city the more different types of tours so I know that in London for example they had specific tours just for like street art and graffiti okay. they had right, specific right, right. tours about like Harry Potter these are all free walking tours technically free to t- free to take and then you tip what you want at the end so honestly in these big cities london paris amsterdam um berlin all they have at least i would say five to ten free walking tours that you that can that can be your whole trip just you doing mm. different types of free walking tours um unless you're going for a trip a specific reason and there's right. specific things you want to see where did you um, find the walking t- you just googled free walking tours in yep, my area yep yep Logic but a lot of times mm-hmm. Um, so you can do that. Some of the companies will require that you um like register, not for like for the tour, but a lot of times if you're like in the main square of a city, like I'm thinking about like Prague, um, they'll they'll be um tour guides with umbrellas, yeah, like a certain like a red umbrella, a blue umbrella, a yellow umbrella, and they'll say like free tour. And so, and a lot of them times you can just walk up and say, hey, I want to take this tour, and I'll be like, okay, if there's space, um, you can take the tour. But I always um, registered online just so I, because I'm a planner, so I like to have my days planned out. But yeah, free walking tours. I went um, trying to learn more about World War II history and how Europe memorialized World War II. So like in Amsterdam, I knew for sure I wanted to go to Anne Frank Museum. So like I booked that in advance. That was like 10 years ago. Great museum. Um I, I would definitely say that as a traveler, I had an idea. I didn't know what I was getting into, right? Um, to, like going on this trip to backpack, but I knew what I wanted to learn, so that informed what I wanted to see in each place. Because that was another um, question it, I wanted to ask you: if you book things in advance, or if you show up and wing it. Like, do you book your accommodations? Do you book? Um, oh yes, I don't wing accommodations. Um, <laughs> I don't. Um, you can, especially if you're traveling during the off season. So off season in Europe will be like. Mm, call it September to November. 
November and then in the spring, I would say maybe like February to April, the end of April. Okay. So you're going during all season, yes. Summertime, you have to put everything in advance. I went during summertime. Okay. During peak tourist season. So a lot of Americans are in Europe during the summer. A lot of people, a lot of people in the world are in Europe in the summer. Mm-hmm. So I personally, I'm not a risk taker in that sense. And I was already so fragile and like scared about the experience, like about back taking that I, one thing I wanted to know for sure was like where I was going to rest my head at. Um, Another question that you asked was that I go alone. So I was alone for six of the eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, at the last quarter of my trip, I went to Budapest in Italy, and my cousin from she's actually from New York. Um, she joined me for Budapest in Italy, which was a great experience. So I was alone most of my trip, and it, it was great. I'm a solo traveler at heart, and I love being alone. I'm a socially skilled introvert, so I do like being around people, but I need my that time detachment alone. and it was perfect yeah. that she joined you towards the end right when you said you were starting to get a little over it and then she yeah. kind of just was like All right, Give me that well, let's make it a little <laughs> let's switch it up a little bit let's change things so it's not redundant and i'm like just totally just done with the shits yeah so yeah. when you did your um accommodations did you do like couch surfing did you do house sitting what did you do um so both of those are very good options. I actually went on hostelworld.com okay, and Airbnb. Um, I actually, as a travel, like as a person who travels, I would say stay away from hostelworld.com. Not because it's not a good site. I found beautiful hostels. Um, however, they do charge a fee, and they don't tell you that they charge a fee. It's included in the price. Oh. So, for example, if you see a, a hostel, like a let's call it a eight person room for twelve thirty nine, right? Mm-hmm. That's a very low price. But if you see it for twelve thirty nine, the actual room might be ten dollars and hostel world is keeping it two thirty nine. Now I know this because I am the nerd that like reads the fine print mm-hmm. that you know that like illegible fine print <laughs> that you agree right. to all the terms and conditions. I'm about and to say also, you read the terms and conditions. Yes, I have, yes. I was it gets lonely traveling. Um and also <laughs> You know this because if you go on the, so let's call this hostel, uh, Moonlight Hostel, you can go on their website and directly look and you see the price. Like it'll say $10 on Moonlight Hostel's actual website, but on Hostel World is $12.39. Somebody's getting it $2.39 and it's right. Hostel World, right? This is a business. So I always, always recommend, um, per, like if you're looking for the cheapest accommodations is couch surfing. Now I had my family talk me out of doing couch surfing because they were like, you don't know who you're going to meet. And mm-hmm. why are you even going on the trip in the first place? I still was allowing the outside noise to affect me, even though I decided to take this trip. So I, I had canceled couch surfing out, even though I highly recommend it. Um, most have people who are hosts, I have not since done it, but okay. I have stayed on people's couches for free. Um, and I do know people who do it. Um, most people who are host on Couchsurf are travelers, okay. um, and they also use the app. I would say, obviously, always, you know, proceed with caution and never stay in a place or in a person's home where you feel uncomfortable. Um, house sitting is also great. I never did it. Um, and, yeah, HostelWorld.com, I would say it's a good place to look at places, like to compare, um, like, good. the quality okay, of a hostel but then go on the actual hospital's website to book. And then for places like 
Barcelona, which is very expensive, mm-hmm. um, but has a big backpacker culture. I did an Airbnb. Um, I'm trying to think where else. In so yeah, pretty much in Spain, I did Airbnbs or stayed with a friend when I was in Madrid. Um, but I'm all about hostels. Um, but now that I'm a little bit more, um, I guess, experienced with my travels, I want my own space. So I'm yeah. I'm okay now with paying that extra money for my own room. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you would say then a suitcase immediately discounts you as a backpacker, correct? Or no? Um. Yeah, I, me for my definition, yes. You gotta carry. Are you carrying the suitcase headband? Are you carrying it on your back? There's something unique about the backpacking experience when you're carrying everything that you have on your back. It's, it is a metaphor for your life, literally. And I think that. Yeah. Um, as a suitcase, it's just not the same. Right. You pick you it up, you put it back down. Option yeah. of another bag. You have the option yeah. of plus more. Yeah. With a backpack, everything that that person has is on their bag. It's like their life. It's it's and it's almost like a spiritual journey. I don't mean to get like oh, I don't mean to take it to another realm, but it really. Oh no, definitely does. do because that's the next question yeah. I was going to ask you. I know you had mentioned um, how you know, living from your backpack, like everything you had during that time is on your back. Like how did that kind of, I don't want to say shape you or like humble you or anything like that, but how did that during this whole finding yourself and figuring out who you were, how did that Mm -hmm. aid in it? Or how did that um, affect that whole um, experience for you? Did you find yourself wanting to downsize when you got back home or did you downsize before you went Mm -hmm. traveling or like, how did that experience um, developmentally shape who you are today? Um, So I started to pick up stuff during my trip um, towards the middle slash middle end of my trip. And that was obviously a stupid decision because that was also at a time where I was over my trip and honestly, I put a lot of the stuff out that I can't carry this. I can't do this. Um, and I think that those those decisions also can relate to, like, emotional baggage. I can't have this relationship with this person. I can't hold this weight in this way. I can't do this because this is literally weighing me down. Um, when we think about, like, let's call it heartbreak or heartache, like, you feel it in your chest because you feel sunken. And literally... On my back, I felt sunken. Like, there were some times I could not carry my bag. I, and I'm thinking about when I was in Budapest on a trolley, and I was just, this was before my cousin got to Budapest. I arrived a day a, uh, earlier than her. I want to down on that trolley, but I'm also very prideful. And I was like, I'm not going to, like, do that in front of people. But I was like, I can't. I literally could not do that. Like, like I could not. And I thought that I was bringing the bare bones minimum. But I was realizing that, you know, you don't need four shirts. You, you can do two. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm a really into makeup. Like, you don't really need this makeup shower. This is what you want. This is what you, this is a, this is something that you're using because you like to do makeup and you want to, like, have your face beat. Um, so that was another thing I had in my backpack as well. So I just started to realize there were things that I really didn't need that I just wanted and that were literally causing me extra stress in the long run because I couldn't carry in my damn backpack. Right. Um, and so no matter how many times I tried to repack it and make it cute and roll and fold the jeans, it still, like, was heavy. And I think that also becomes 
a metaphor for, of life when you think about um, no matter how much times you try to justify the bullshit going on around you, it's mm-hmm. still there. You can dress it up, but it's still there. Um, in the same way, you just um, it just looks differently, right? It manifests yep. itself differently. So I did start. I did start to see the backpack. Um, as a metaphor for my life because I was also emotionally just trying to you know heal from a racist PWI I was Mm. trying to figure out who I was as a 22 year old I was trying to uh, or I I think I was was I oh yeah I was 22 I just turned 22 in London Mm -hmm. which was my first stop Um, so I was just trying to figure out who I was and all this going on at the same time like trying to find figure out my identity having this big ass backpack that couldn't fit on my back and me thinking that you know me being like oh, I don't have any clothes like I'm wearing the same thing like I, I felt like I was also at some point I was like because I grew up poor and I'm like having a I, some one of the houses I stayed in didn't have washing and dryers so I had to like hand wash my underwear I think and I was just like you know I think I was having almost like a cathartic like experience back in my childhood <laughs> like having mm-hmm. to do that because and there is nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with him washing your underwear, y'all. This is just like me being dramatic and me having right. my, me going through my own experiences um, as a young traveler. So that, I think, I definitely saw it as a, rep- the backpack as a rep- uh, representation and a metaphor for my life, especially in regards to emotional and mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just my personal experience, but I, I think everyone. Um, relationship to their backpack and how they experience it is different but I will say that everybody can say that the bag itself is heavy so anything you put in it is going to make it even heavier and you definitely have to learn how to carry your own weight both actually and like the actual bag but also emotionally like how do you carry yourself Mm. what are you doing what 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 can you remove from your life to make your load easier both actually and 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 metaphorically speaking. And so I always think about that. I always go back to those experiences. Like, you got to hold your own weight. You got to hold your own weight. I tell myself that all the time. Hold your mm-hmm. own weight. Just hold it together. Because I can be sensitive sometimes. So I'm just like, hold mm-hmm. your own weight. Hold it together. Um, so that's what backpacking has really done for me. I like that. I'm going to write that down. Hold your own weight. That's a good quote. <laughs> so what, other than like the feeling like you were re-wearing. I mean, technically you were re-wearing the same stuff because you said two jeans, four uh, shirts and whatnot, and then Mm. hand-washing underwears. But what other experiences do you think helped you, um, like what, I guess, maybe pivotal experiences helped you have like an aha moment or what kind of stood out as like, okay, yeah, this... This is a thing. This is something that I need to unpack or this is something that I need to spend time ruminating over and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Well, I just think that being alone and traveling, like that was like just the happiest I ever been. I was like, this is the first time I'm truly happy in my life. And I spent a lot of my life in survival mode. And for the first time, I didn't have to live. Like, even up to the point of my graduation, I just had to like get to that point. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. So, like, this backpack, it was the first time I could just live and go. I mean, I had to, all I had to do was just show up to the, to get to the bus or to the train or to the plane on time. But I didn't have, I didn't have to work. All I had to do was get up and go to these tours if I wanted to. If not, I sleep in. I could waste my time. I could just do whatever. So I think that that happiness that I got to just be alone with my thoughts, mm-hmm. um, 
really was a key moment for me. And I think that, um, I'm trying to think, like in Italy, I would say, Italy was particularly difficult. Italy is a gorgeous country. It's a beautiful country. And, you know, there's certain stereotypes that come out from, that are about Italy, like how Italian men love black women. There was one mm-hmm. thing that like hear that. Um, it's another thing to experience rampant sexual harassment wow. in the country um, where you don't speak the language. So I'm fluent in Spanish. I can kind of understand Italian because they're both Latin-based languages, but I would not say that I can speak Italian. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just, you know, walking down the street and just cars stopping because they think you're going to get in. Like, I've never mm-hmm. been treated. I've been catcalled in the U.S. I've never actually been treated like a prostitute before. Right. And so the- those experiences, I think, I think they hardened me because I would just be so angry. Like, like, how dare they? Like, I would think, like, how dare they? Just like the, I'm not used to just having my body touched. So, like, I'm not used to that. I'm I'm big on consent. Um, mm-hmm. And so having people just almost treat you like like a circus, and a, like an animal in a zoo. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a new experience for me, Absolutely. but it, it, but I, I, me being a powerful person that I am, um, going back to hold your own weight, I would never give, you know, them the satisfaction of seeing me, um, like cry or like upset. I always wanted to be strong in those moments. Um, but then go back to my hustle and then cry about it. Or when my cousin was with me, you know, debrief or like just have somebody to talk to, 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 um, share that emotional yeah. burden, I would call it with I think that was really pivotal for me um I think that when I went to Poland going to the concentration camps I'm really big on spirits and I feel like that mm. the Auschwitz um the Auschwitz-Birkenau death camp because there was a work camp you know Auschwitz-Birkenau one mm. and then there's the actual death camp um and the prisoners knew that if you went to the two they knew that you were going to die there so just being in that space um and and feeling the spirit of the dead who were killed there around me, I think was so, I was scary because I was like, oh my God, like, like, you know, there, there are people here, right? But, yeah. but they're dead, but like they're here, I can feel them. Um, and just seeing, because there are a lot of uh, Jewish students that come to the, that go to the camp, they're allowed to go for free. And just seeing like kids cry does something for me. So like, I remember I was, there was a uh, was a group and they were speaking Portuguese. I speak Portuguese um, pretty well because I took it in college and I, just like seeing those students like break down, it made me cry. And I just I remember I sat on this step and I just started crying. Um, I always try to hold my own weight. I never try to cry in front of people, but it was emotionally overwhelming. And I think that everyone should visit a concentration camp once in their life, mm-hmm. um, not just in Europe because that's not the only place where we had Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Um, even though that's the one that history likes to remember. Right. Because um, that's the only one I would have thought existed. Yeah. But, like, I can think of, like, Belgium and, like, what they did in Africa and, like, all the people that those, like, their dictators that killed. I would call that a Holocaust, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the the one in um, Germany is the one we remember. Um, what the Germans did, excuse me, is the one that we remember. Um, so being being there and being around those dead spirits, and and being literally in the chambers where people like were killed mm-hmm. and you see people like they thought they were going in the showers but really they were turned on the gas and suffocate them and seeing like where they would um 
line people up and just shoot them like with the shooting squads. Right. And, um, at the death camp, there's also like every house that they had, they would have like these little houses. They turned it to like a museum to represent the different countries that one way or another had some involvement in the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Just seeing all the information and learning all that history that you, you know, history is taught horribly in the United States, in my opinion. Oh, it is. Um, it is. Seeing that history, I think, was so eye opening because I'm a history nerd. Um, but I would definitely say being around the dead spirits was a, a defining moment of my existence in Poland. Um, I think. I had an ignorant traveler moment in Amsterdam because we when the the sort of branding of Amsterdam is you know legalized prostitution and weed and I think that I had got caught up in that um, I didn't really want to go to the red light district I did take a tour of it during the day and seeing how like women are like plastered like dogs I personally did feel comfortable I know that they like the women are there on their free supposedly on their free will and they're doing it to make money which I totally agree with. But uh, which I totally support, excuse me, I just didn't feel comfortable. But I definitely think I got caught up in like, oh, this is free weed. And like, I got real high in Amsterdam. Like the weed, the drugs in Europe is different, y'all. Real, <laughs> real strong. Um, and I think that having that experience like by myself really shaped. Uh, I was like, wow, like I'm more like, this is why people do drugs. Because it like opens up a different part of your brain. Like I remember just having like out of body experiences. Um, and these are things that you do like, right? as a young traveler who really sometimes feeds into like the stereotypes or like the big branding, um, right, the marketing that you hear about a country. Mm-hmm. I think, um, in Iceland was my time to really reflect. Like I remember just Iceland is so expensive that you just want to stay in and stay inside all day. y'all. Okay, By the way, that was my that. last trip. That was my last stop on my trip, but they have really cheap. Well, they did have cheap flights. That airline went out of business while air, but um, oh, right. so Iceland just gave me the time to really reflect, and it's also really really cold all year because I went in like July that was forty degrees. Um, so I think having that time to reflect in Iceland was also uh, really monumental because I had to just sit and just think about my experience and and think about what I wanted to do going forward. I think so many times um we're caught up in like the capital and i'm gonna speak because i'm living in america right now the capitalist cause of the will you know you gotta go to work mm-hmm. you go home have a couple hours you gotta wake up and do it all do it all over again we never really get to sit down and think um stop and think and on a clear mind because you always worried about something else now with this trip and what it did for me i didn't have none of those issues because i didn't have nowhere to go like mm-hmm. I, I didn't i didn't have a deadline right i had i knew that i was leaving on a certain date but in between those days in between, I could do whatever I want. I could sing. I could walk to the park. I can go on 10 walking tours if I want to. I could go out to eat. I could meet people. Like, I could just do whatever I want. Right. You could so stay Iceland, there and sleep all day if you wanted to. Yeah, and I damn sure did. <laughs> I did. I'm thinking about Poland. I was in Poland for like six days. Probably slept for three of them. But I still got a lot done. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, just in Iceland, just having that time to reflect. Like, okay, what do you want for your life, you know? How do you want to live your life? I knew I wanted to live my life in truth. I know I wanted to live my life in a way that was satisfying to me and not to others. And I think that traveling gave me that, right? Because if I'm this happy by myself and doing and traveling, I want to continue that happiness, right? Like I want to replicate that in every aspect of my life. Yes, I have to go home, but how can I keep this going? Six weeks later, I moved to Spain. And here we are a year later. So 
those are all the things that I think I got. Um, you'll hear more about it on my podcast just because I'm going to go through each country that I visited mm-hmm. um, and what mm-hmm. I got from each. Um, but yeah, those were like the major things that I, th- I can think about. Okay, so I have like just a few wrapping up questions because like sure i could talk to you all damn day like i love listening to you talk about travel i feel like you've got a really um mature insight on travel and it's i'm like i love hearing because i'm 34 and i just started traveling when i turned um 30 31 like this january this makes like the fourth january that i've been traveling i think um, yeah. and I love seeing younger people traveling, like when I'm out and about and I'm like, I really wish that I would have, you know, experienced this so much sooner in life. Cause I feel like I would have been, um, not to shit on the development that I've made so far in life, but like, I just feel like I could have been here 10 years ago, 15 years so what ago. What were you doing 10 years ago? Oh, 20. Four year old me. I <laughs> <laughs> shit. And you know what's funny? It's so funny that you ask that. Because um okay, so a little thing about me. I'm not a retentive person. I don't really retain information very well. I especially mm-hmm. don't do and I do enjoy history, but in terms of just because of the stories. Like I love stories. I don't hold dates and times well. So when I'm thinking of a year of my life, I don't really have anything. Like I know at 25, I had the biggest birthday party that I'd ever had. I threw it myself. I bust my ass. I made money. I had a good time. Like it was fucking amazing. So 25 was a great birthday. I remember 26th birthday, flop. Couldn't, I have no idea what I did at 24. I think at 20, nope, don't know. Oh, nope, was I at the beach? I think I was dating some tall, skinny nigga who shall remain nameless. And, I mean, I moved out by 22, 23. 24 just seems real dry. Like, that whole, it's a new decade, it's a new, what were you doing, you know, 10 years ago, you. And I'm like, I don't have anything too wild to not even wild, but I can't think of anything pivotal. Like, you know, you understand what I'm saying? Like I was just working a basic ass job. I was, I mean, I supported myself. I had my own place. I had my dog, like we was chilling, but there was nothing that I can remember as being like really exciting about my life. I mean, I bartended. I probably had like three jobs at the time. I think I was still teaching dance class. I don't know. But 24-year-old me was just trying to figure it out, I guess. Well, I don't even know if I was trying to figure it out. I was just going through the motions. I was just doing what I thought I was supposed to be doing. I had my own place, and it was, I think at that time, my brother, if I was 23, that means my brother was 15, 16, 17. So he was kind of on his way to college, but not. So if he was still, when my brother was in high school, I know he spent, if he was 17, I'm trying to figure out the eight, because we're five years apart. So did I have my own place when he was living there? Yeah, I feel it, because I know my brother used to spend so much time at my apartment. 
before he went away to school. And I do remember that being a really, really fun time for us. So that's really the only thing that I can think back on. But I just really think, I just really enjoy seeing younger people travel just because I know, like you said, how much can be experienced and learned through travel. And I really wish that more people, um, especially us, like, black people, people of color from the hood that just knew that there was so much world out there and that we deserve to be able to see the world and we deserve to experience the world as ourselves the same way everyone else. And by everyone, I mean, you know, people that say uh, media would portray or, you know, when you hear about taking um, – uh, a gap year you only think of people that went to like really expensive prep schools and whose parents can you know fund or support them not paying anything or not you know um having a job or not working or anything like that so um I, I really really do wish that everybody would be able to have that experience but I say all that to say do you think that you have to do budget accommodations to be a backpacker and does the length of a trip make a difference? No, you definitely don't have to do it on a budget. Cause you know, honestly, I, through my eight weeks, I only, I think I, I don't, I did not meet, I meant black travelers. I didn't mean black backpackers and I didn't, Maybe and maybe these people were backpacking, but they didn't brand like you know brand themselves that way. I didn't meet any like backpackers. Um, I would say in general, like the backpacker space is very white, and I think a lot of them come from a space of economic privilege. You definitely don't have to do things um, on a budget. That's just works for my budget, and I always tell people, do what works for you and your budget. Make a you know. Anybody can make 50 cents to a dollar. It just depends on how you hustle for it. So that's what worked for me and my budget. But what's going to work for you and what you do is going to be something totally different. Um, but do you what was think your other you question? Could, but do you think you could be considered a backpacker? Like, for example, if you have all your stuff that you bring with you in a backpack, but you stay at like an all-inclusive resort, or if you stay okay. at like a hotel or something like that, do you, would you still consider that a backpacker? Personally, no. I think that a backpacker is, in a, at its core, is nomadic. Because you're never one place for an extended period of time. Now, I'm not going to be nitpicky and say, oh, you can't be at a place for more than a month. You can't be a place. Because I know some people that go to live in a place out of a backpack. You think all these people that go do all these, I'm thinking of people that do mission trips and stuff, um, like in Africa, in continental Africa. Like, are they backpackers? Like, they have they take a backpack and that's what they live out of and they're there for six months. You know, and I said, I think you need to live out of a backpack for at least three weeks. So, you know, I, I don't, I try not to uh, be too specific or too exclusive, like, the, you know, this is a backpackers, backpackers club and you can't get in. Right. But I definitely think it requires some element of being, uh, some element of nomadicness. I don't even know if that's a word, but some element of movement that you're not just in one place okay. uh, for an extended period of time. And the other question was, does the length of a trip make a difference? Like, is, would you I say? I think so. Okay. Yes. I definitely think that 
Because it's a, it's a difference if you go to a place for a week and you just take a backpack. Like, you know, I can say, oh, I'm going to New York to visit my cousin for a week and I take my backpack. Whereas if I'm going for like three weeks and I'm only living around backpack, oh, like, this is, you want to miss it. Right, <laughs> you know, right, right. Those, those two things connote um, something different. So that's why I said at least three weeks to, to really um, get it. But, you know, after two weeks, you might feel it, too. I can't lie. Two weeks, you might start to feel it. Um, I'm but that week, I would say it's more of a quick do trip. It in a week. I think you should. I'm going to um, try it. I might try. But, I I mean, how I about feel like. Oh, you know what you could do? I'm just sort of like a branding thing. Seven countries in a week. I don't know how you're going to do it. I think Europe is the easiest way because oh, it's so easy to get from country yeah, to country. Um, oh, I, that's just like a branding thing. <laughs> Seven countries in a week, backpacker. Um, I I always say on my podcast, tr- backpacking is not for everybody, but everybody oh, yeah. should at least try it once. Um, it's like therapy or any other um thing that you do to make your life better. Like people, there's various things that people do to make their life better. It's not for everybody, but try. It. You know, you never know what the the good that may come from it. I just and think really nothing did. good comes from it, a lesson comes from it. Absolutely, there's always something. I mean, mm-hmm. and in that case, that's something good because it's a lesson. You just hope that it's not anything, you know, like traumatic or detrimental or anything that you'd have to experience to learn the lesson. But, you know, the lesson in and of itself hopefully brings good to your life. But I think trying, I'm thinking about myself. Like if I could get a week of everything into even just a carry on, not just the backpack. Cause I feel like, a carry-on would fit as much as a backpack, but, like, without the carry-on and a backpack. You see what I'm saying? Like, just my suitcase could probably fit as much as... I'm telling you, carry it on your back. Yeah, that's the the difference. Yeah. That's the difference. That's why I said it's a metaphor for your life. Once you got to carry it on your back, it's like, okay, maybe I should leave some of this stuff home. Right. Because I'm thinking of just in terms of bringing things like how simply can I live? Do you know what I'm saying? Like how long can I, well, I know I could do it because every time I come home, I come home with at least a packing cube of shit that I didn't wear. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But yeah. it's like in terms of just in my mind, cause I'm one of those worst case scenarios. I can think of so many different ways that something can go wrong. And then I'm always wondering, all right, well, if I don't bring it, that means if I need it, I have to pay for it. So let me bring this. Or what if this happens? Let me bring that. Well, if I can this and this and that, and then, well, what you, you should have this. And so now I'm bringing this and I'm grabbing this and I'm tucking and I'm folding and I'm all of a sudden I need more that I don't end up using. So I would challenge those of us who can't necessarily backpack for those of us that'll do like a week trip. How much shit do you really need in a week? If someone like Shara can travel, function, and live happily for eight weeks out of a backpack, should it really be that difficult for you to get everything you're going to need for eight days, nine days into a regular backpack? You know what I'm saying? Like we should be able to, I would say that that should be maybe, I think I'm going to set that as a goal for 2020. I can't necessarily do the extended travel yet in terms of the backpacker thing in terms, you know, like the four weeks at a time, six weeks or anything like that. But I would like to commit to getting a week 
of my travel life into a regular size backpack. I think that that would be equitable to three weeks of a backpack in a regular backpack. Possibly. Agree. And guess what? I love what you said. I love how you worked through it because you, 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 you made a scenario that works better for you. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's equitable to like the experience that you would get, get as a backpack, but you tailor made it to your needs and what you can do. So right. yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And so my last mm-hmm. question to you is okay. what would you suggest? Oh, wait, was that the one? Damn. Cause I had a bunch, but I want people to listen to your podcast. Cause I don't want to sit here and feel like I want everyone to feel like they want more. Cause like, I still have like mad things. Oh, yeah. okay. So, okay. So this will be it. This will be it. And then I want you to um, plug your podcast again and anything else that you're working on. So okay. would you say, or do you think that a backpack? No, I think I answered it myself. Cause I'm like, could you have a traditional nine to five and the traditional nine to five can't give you six weeks in a row off. If you had no, a really job cool. that you could travel, did you bring your laptop with you when you traveled? I did not. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, yeah, well, no, would I, didn't. You? I was scared that it would get stolen. Mm, um, good point. Now, yes. Um, but I would definitely lock it up like wherever I go. Okay. Cause but you I can take that, it. I was scared. Yeah. I was scared. Cause I don't have like an iPad or anything. And I didn't at the time. I was just like, I'm going to leave this home. Um, but the problem with that was, was that I had to relive all my, well, not a problem, but I couldn't write about my trip in real time. Got it. Or I didn't write about my trip in real time. Not that I couldn't like, you, you know, phone you have so much access but mm-hmm. I didn't write about my trip in the real time I went back and relived my experience via my thoughts okay that makes sense because I mean technically you could take it out of your backpack and then put it in to your um like into the locker or something that the yeah. hostel provides or but then if you're sharing an Airbnb and they don't have locks on the door a lot of those places don't necessarily have some place where you can lock things up so it's true. that is another risk. Okay. It's so true. let's just jump to it. Where can people find more of you? This is easily one of my favorite podcast episodes. Oh, Hands thank down. you. I will say that now. Where can the people get more uh, of you? Yes. Please follow me at black girl world traveler. So black girl world traveler traveler has two L's. I was about to say, um, <laughs> Um, you can also, so that's on Instagram, that's on Twitter, that's on, I'm not really active on Twitter, so really Instagram, um, blackgirlworldtraveler.com. You can find my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Pocket Cast, Spotify, Anchor, anywhere where you get your podcast, any major outlet uh, where you get your podcast. And I'm dropping weekly. This um, series, World Season 2, is about my backpacking trip. So I'll be going in depth with my experiences. Um, but yeah, blackgirlworldtraveler.com. I have tons of resources um, where I actually detail how to travel on a budget because I'm all about budget travel. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes through every place that I've ever, every country, every city that I've ever been to Ooh, nice. globally outside the U.S. So please check me out. Um, it's not a podcast for me. Black Girl Yeah, Black Girl World Traveler. Black Everything Girl World is Black Girl World Traveler, yes. Um, I want you to see yourselves represented um, in this podcast and also want to teach you how to live your best life. 
um, whatever that means to you, not for, just for travel, travel, travel is my vehicle. Um, and yeah, I love this podcast. Definitely continue to support travel and shit. Aww, You're so dope you. and down to earth. This is a great conversation. This is probably one of my favorite podcasts <laughs> that I've you. done. We've been on, we've been talking for um, nearly uh, like almost an hour and a half. So right. thank you so much for this opportunity. I thank learned you for so joining much. Me. Um, and I look forward to the next one. Yeah. So thank you so much, Shira. Guys, definitely support her in her uh, Instagram and on her website and on the podcast. So uh, black girls out here, we got to stick together, y'all. Like, Yes, we do. Ain't really nobody <laughs> out here doing it for us other than ourselves and each other. So the community is strong. I know we're out here, and I'm looking forward to um, sharing more other black women with you guys so that you can uh, continue to grow and see yourself through travel as well. So Shira, thank you so much for joining me and guys, thank, thank you. you for listening to another episode of travel and shit. Be sure to follow me, your host D carry at underscore D carry. That's D C A R R I E or travel and shit. And that's S H I T not the exclamation mark on the Instagrams. And there's a underscore at the end of travel and shit for um instagram and um you can check the visuals for the podcast you can find out more about me other things that i'm working on and uh have like a just a general spot landing page to see all the different platforms that the show is hosted on if you go to travel and shit podcast um dot com and um appreciate it guys i will check you guys out next week